1: Um, this is my second attempt at this podcast. (laughs) I said, I was just going to do a couple things, just kind of clean up what I talked about yesterday. I'm not going to go in depth on it and then we'll move on to something else. And, um, it was probably a much, um, not longer, I was only about 15 minutes in, but a much more, uh, angry rant than yesterday. And I just, I don't want to go down that path necessarily. Um, but, now I gotta th- rethink how I want to go about this so I don't just do that again because I, I do want to finish the podcast sometime today. I guess I just wanted to comment on it, and, and nobody really argued with me about this point, but just to kind of show that what I said was absolutely correct. Um, first of all, the the fact that this is entirely about not Rogers not being vaccinated. Number one, Rogers said that exact same thing. Not that Rogers knows, but he has the exact same opinion. He said, This is because I'm not vaccinated. Beyond that, though, a second thing that I said that's absolutely true is there's a lot of people who support this, right? Because there are a lot of people who believe that if you're not vaccinated, you're the worst person in the world. And um, most of the people who have that view, which is a stupid view, by the way, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's especially now with Omicron, this is the dumbest thing ever. The, The vaccine's doing zero to stop Omicron, zero. It's doing absolutely nothing. But we're still pushing this nonsense. But anyways... Um, ben Baldwin, who is becoming a regular on uh, this podcast just as far as me commenting about stupid things he says. And I want to like the guy because some of the stuff he says is is cool, or at least some of the graphs, I guess. But uh, again, he's being an idiot because similar to Arkish, he's got his uh, opinions and that matters more than anything else. But um, I already retweeted this and commented on it. But he starts off by accusing Packers fans of freaking out about the Aaron Rodgers. Thing. It's not Packers fans. It's everybody with a conscience. Everybody with a conscience is looking at this and saying it's wrong, which is why Hub decided to come out and apologize. Even though it wasn't an apology, he did it because he knew he was in the wrong. Which is also why most of the people who feel the way that Hub and Ben Baldwin do are just—they're just keeping their mouth shut because even though they can't stand Aaron Rodgers because he's not vaccinated, because he's friends with Joe Rogan, because he speaks out against cancel culture, like you know—you know what I mean? I mean, it's—it's the, the, it's those things that are really upsetting people, but the people who are upset are keeping their mouth shut because they know this is not the hill they want to die on but people like ben baldwin are like no i'm going to go ahead and die on that hill so okay but again it's not a it's not a packers thing but but again this isn't this isn't rational this is i'm so emotional i can't hold it back anymore that's exactly why arkish got in trouble because he knows he's not supposed to talk about it but he couldn't keep his mouth shut now ben's doing it so he starts off with that right um it's that whole you mad bro thing you know what i mean it's it's like When somebody calls somebody stupid, and then the other person's like, no, you're stupid. It's like, oh, wow, you mad, bro? It's like, you started the stupid thing. What do you mean? What am I? How am I mad? You started this whole thing. Same with Rogers, right? Rogers gets attacked. Then Rogers goes on a show, and he's like, these people that are attacking me are stupid, and I'm sick of it, and I'm not going to put up with it. And everyone's like, wow, you mad, bro? Why does he keep going on there and talking about stuff? Why does he keep talking about cancel culture? Why doesn't he just shut up? Why does he keep doing this? It's because you guys won't shut up either. uh, That's how this whole thing starts. But again... Hub says something stupid, and the whole world recognizes it's stupid. Packer fans, as well as everybody else, step up and they're like, wow, that was kind of a D-bag move. And what does Benny say? Wow, Packer fans freaking out. No, no, that's not how that works. But then he goes on to say it's a perfectly reasonable opinion to think that Rodgers has been about as valuable as Brady Mahomes whoever's on the field but missed a game in the midseason due to being an idiot and comes to the conclusion that someone else is more deserving. Again, I'm not going to get too much into this, but just goes to show that this is just pure rage over something stupid. It is something stupid, by the way. Rodgers put nobody in danger. He didn't do anything. He didn't miss a game, by the way, because he was unvaccinated. In other words, because of something he did. It was because of an NFL policy that never should have been a policy. It doesn't make sense. It was a rule that was set up to punish the unvaccinated. And that's what hurt the Green Bay Packers. But again, th- th- there's this notion out there that, well, if you're being hurt by it, then you're being hurt by your own decision. So just change your decision. Okay, but what about respecting his decision? Is that, does that come into play or no? Of course not. I don't have to respect him. I don't have to value him because he's ch- making a decision that I don't like. So his right to make a personal medical decision doesn't matter to me. Because every other time I'm talking about autonomy and, and the right to make m- medical decisions and my body, my choice, I only say that about stuff I like. But when somebody does something I don't like, I don't care. I actually don't care about any of those things. None of those things matter to me because fundi- f- fundamentally they don't. The only thing that matters is what I want and what I believe. And what I believe is that everybody should be vaccinated and Rogers isn't. So he's a, he's a garbage person or in Ben Baldwin's words, an idiot or in uh, Arkish's words, um, the biggest jerk in the league. And, and again, this is how psychotic and broken everybody's brain is. By the way, I mean, we we talked about the book thing, right? He pointed at Ayn Rand's book and people flipped out. This is how broken everybody... It's been months. It's been months. I keep forgetting about it until people keep talking about the whole immunized, vaccinated thing. Who gives a crap? Who cares? It's been months and guys like Ben Baldwin and Hub Arkish and people like that still can't get over it. They're still losing their ever-loving minds about this. They can't stand... And granted, it's part of it is... I hate who they are as a person, and then the fact that this is the quarterback that also destroys my team, it just, it amplifies it, which is the case in both of these these people. So it's it's extra hatred. But again, this this just points to exactly what I said yesterday. Number one, it's 100%, well, 95% about the vaccine. And number two, Arkish is not alone. Most of the people are keeping their mouths shut because they know this is a losing battle, but some of them are coming out. Another example, very quickly, and then we're moving on because, again, I'm doing a good job of not getting... Um, just give you an idea of how angry i was before this is this is super tame like we're we're killing it right now um i probably shouldn't even cite this because this is the most garbage website in all of sports uh, deadspin i'm actually shocked that they're still a thing and as far as the um like uh the pro vaccine everybody that doesn't do what i want is a piece of garbage uh sentiment that's deadspin is like the the mecca of of that collective but I'm not going to read this whole article, but the bottom line is by Mr. Sam Fells, whoever that is. He basically says that um, the MVP voting, as well as baseball and all that, should not be the duty to uh, be the morality police or the moral gatekeeper. But essentially, in this case, he should. He goes on, my my favorite paragraph is here, it says, there would be an ill feeling for a lot of folks to see Rodgers win the MVP uh, with what he's pulled this year. First, two things. Number one, people would feel sick, and I believe that 100% because people are broken. People are psychotic, and people are very hateful. Just the fact that a guy who didn't get the vaccine would win the MVP makes them sick to their stomach. Well, no, it's because he lied. No, it's not, because you don't care about lying. That's so stupid. It's not the lying. Every second of every day, there's lying in football. Coach speak is nothing but lying. When Matt LaFleur goes to the podium and talks about how great these uh, upcoming opponents are, oh, he's uh, what do you think of, of Jared Goff? Jared Goff's a great quarterback. I've got experience with him. He's really talented. He's, he's lying. He's lying. And it doesn't bother you because lying doesn't bother you. It doesn't really bother me. It's not a good thing. But can we stop with this baloney that, oh no! It's not the vaccine. It's that he lied. No, he told the truth to the people that need to know. He lied to you because he doesn't want to deal with people being psychopaths for months on end. This entire clown show has proved exactly why he should have lied to you because you're insane and you can't handle it. But then he goes on to say, with yeah, like I said, with what he pulled this year, what he pulled, you'd he be ill because of what he pulled. What did he pull? He didn't pull anything. He says he violated rules, which again, give me a break. What rule did he violate? He didn't wear a mask in a room where he's 10 feet away from reporters who are triple-vaxxed and and double-masked. I think they'll be okay, princess. Okay? I think they're fine. But yes, he did break a rule. It's a stupid rule, but he did break it. And I know you're a stickler for all the rules. Late hit out of bounds, straight to jail. He put people at risk, he goes on to say, which is a complete lie. Nobody was at risk because of Aaron Rodgers. Literally zero people. That's stupid. That's ascientific. I mean, we're, we're, this is just a religion right now, what you're talking about. This is religious adherence to stupidity. He put zero people at risk. I've already talked about that. I'm not going in depth on that. And he's help, helping amplify some truly wad views that have been hamstringing this country to escape the clutches of the pandemic. And my favorite part about that, you want to know what the biggest wad view is. Of all of this is, maybe it's some of the Joe Rogan stuff. I don't know. I don't know anything about that. One thing I do know for a fact, though, we're not getting out of this pandemic. That is an f view. He's spreading views that are going to prevent us from getting out of this. We're not getting out of this. You're an idiot. I'm sorry. It's never going away. 100% vaccination rate. Guess what that gets us? A continued pandemic. You're stupid if you think the vaccine has any correlation to us ending the pandemic. Never going to happen. Ever ever. I'm sorry. You have to leave your basement. You have to go outside or lock yourself down there forever because it's never, ever, ever going away. But you're an idiot. And it's hilarious because again, you ended the sentence calling him an idiot for his views. Maybe he is. I don't know. But it's a lot more informative of you than what you just said. <laughs> Attempting to escape the clutches of a pandemic. No, we're not. No, we're not. We're not trying to escape the clutches of a pandemic. Maybe you are. I'm not. I'm trying to live my life without psychopaths like you just being crazy. Crazy people all the time. Hospitals are overrun right now in New York because of people showing up that are asymptomatic. There are people calling for ambulances because they tested positive and have no symptoms. People have gone insane in the last two years. Absolutely insane. That's crazy. You don't have to do anything. You don't even need to be testing if you're not symptomatic. If you don't have symptoms, you don't test. You go about your life. You certainly don't go to the emergency department. People have gone crazy. Anyways, it wasn't all bad, though. It was actually mostly positive because, again, you've got three camps here, in my opinion. You've got the camp that says Arkish is an idiot. Then you've got a slightly more nuanced view of that, which is Arkish is technically right, but I'm not going to talk about that because he was in the wrong for, for saying it or whatever. In other words, I probably wouldn't vote for him either because I hate Aaron Rodgers, but you probably shouldn't do that, so, you know. And then you've got people who just flat out, they hate Aaron Rodgers, and they're just willing to come out and be like, nope, I hate him, I'm hateful, I hate everybody that's not vaccinated, and I'm I'm proud of that sentiment. Okay. By the way, um, my youngest daughter is, um, she's teething pretty bad. She's also got a fever, which maybe those two things are related, correlated, I don't know, but the uh, constant screaming upstairs is just going to be a fixture of the show for... Hopefully not too long, but um, if you're hearing that, I apologize. But again, it wasn't all bad. This is uh, Jimmy Traina from Sports Illustrated. He talks, he basically in the beginning gives a summary of what he said. He says, I don't think you can be the biggest jerk in the league and punish your team and your organization and your fan base the way he did and be the most valuable player. Again, you can just hear the hatred in his voice. He later added, I just think the way he carried himself is inappropriate. I think he's a bad guy. I don't think a bad guy can be the most valuable guy at the same time. Um... But then the writer says, while most people are focused on the fact that Arkish won't give Rodgers a vote for MVP, it's the, quote, biggest jerk in the league and, quote, bad guy part that struck me, which was exactly the part that struck me as well. But He says, I get that a lot of people have turned on Rodgers because of his immunized word game, and I understand people's frustration with the Packers quarterback acting like a victim of woke culture, but biggest jerk in the league, Really? He goes on to say, just this season alone, we've seen Raiders rookie cornerback Nate Hobbs was arrested two days ago for DUI, just two months after his teammate Henry Ruggs III was arrested and charged with driving under the influence, resulting in death thanks to driving 156 miles an hour with a blood alcohol level twice the legal limit. Former Jaguars coach Urban Meyer left his team behind in Cleveland. After a game earlier this season, so he could hang out at a bar, which included some grinding. Then he was accused of kicking one of his own players, which, by the way, the grinding he's referring to is a young lady at a bar uh, who was not his wife. He says, and former Raiders coach John Gruden was exposed for emailing racist and homophobic comments. There are also players in the league who have assaulted women, been arrested for drunk driving. And more. So, while you may be upset about the fact that Rogers tried to get cute with his vaccination status, and while you may hate the fact that he won't get vaccinated to make the leap to uh, to make the leap to biggest jerk in the league seems awfully extreme, and you know what, it is. But again, people's brains are completely broken. This is the most. I mean, and listen, we've all been dealing with this for a long time, and so everybody's going a little crazy. I've gone a little bit crazy, but my version of crazy is tired of dealing with crazy people and I'm done putting up with crazy stupidity, and that's just all I'm going to call it from now on. But you 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 got to wake up, man. You got to you got to wake up, you got to grow up cuz this is silly now. Rodgers didn't do anything to anybody. He did lie, and if you're really opposed to lying, well then I guess I can understand being upset, but you probably got your priorities a little mixed up. Think about all the different lies that have happened in your life and all the lies you've told and how angry you are about your own lie. Do you get angry when you lie? Probably not, right? It's interesting, the only lie you seem to be angry about is the one that involves Aaron Rodgers not being vaccinated. Maybe it's the vaccination that bothers you rather than the lying, I don't know. Anyways, he goes on to say, "...the irony is Rodgers was a huge proponent of helping small business during the COVID-19 crisis." Last March he donated $1 million to 80 locally owned businesses in California, while his foundation raised another $1.5 million in grants to distribute to struggling businesses. He also used his run as Jeopardy guest host to raise money for charity. As for punishing his team, organization, and fan base, the Packers are 13 and 3, will most likely have home field advantage in the playoffs, and are the favorites to win the Super Bowl. Biggest jerk in the league? Bad guy? Get some perspective. So wait a minute. By the way, that last part, 100% correct. All these people, and again, this is is how crazy people are, right? You wanna call yourself a great human being because you went and injected yourself, great. And everybody that didn't do that is a piece of garbage. Aaron Rodgers has donated millions of dollars to help people who are actually struggling because the reality is we're all struggling through this in various ways. People are sick, people are dying, People are also losing their businesses. Suicide is through the roof. Drug abuse is through the roof, which by the way, fentanyl deaths have just surpassed COVID. One of the, I think it's the most uh, common cause of death from people, I think what it was, 18 to 45 is fentanyl. You think that doesn't have anything to do with the crisis we're going through with people losing their jobs, losing their businesses, financially being ruined. And by the way, being massively depressed about being in your home, being locked in your home and having to hear this psychotic, droning over and over and over about hide, mask, runaway, pandemic, we're all doomed, we're all in trouble. You think that doesn't contribute to depression and suicide? So there's a lot of really bad stuff going on, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the few people who's actually doing something about this, while Hub Arkush is doing nothing except screaming at a guy who's actually doing something because he didn't get a stupid shot. Rodgers has hurt nobody, he's helped everybody. He is a he is a one of the few good people who's actually trying to help while simultaneously hurting nobody in the process. But it's driving you nuts because you live in fantasy land where if he would just get his shot then covid would just vanish. That's fake fairy tale land. It's not real. It's never going to happen. You're going to have to find a new way to help people other than screaming at swearing at attacking people who don't just get a stupid shot. Maybe there's different ways that you can be proactively helping people. Did you think about that? Roger's found a way. Have you found a way, or are you just gonna sit here and just scream at people all day? Now, I think sometimes it would be a good idea for us to really think, who are the people we admire? Think about how they act and what they would do in these situations. I know I'm not where I should be. I sit here and I scream at people on my podcast, right? When I envision the ideal person, that ain't it. Does anybody want to be Arkish? Does anybody want to be Ben Baldwin? Does anybody aspire to scream and just have spit spewing out of their mouth? as they scream that somebody's an idiot because they have a view that I don't agree with? Who aspires to that? Do you have a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or an uncle or the, the, the old neighbor down the street? or Is there somebody that you look up to, an actor, somebody that they just, the way that they carry themselves, the way that they act, the way that they treat people? You look at it and you just love that person. You admire that person. I think we all need some time to reflect and and think about, I need to try to be like that person. Because I, I, I just have absolutely had it with the way people are being treated, including Aaron Rodgers. And yes, he does talk about being a victim. You know why? Because he is. Oh, he's not a victim. He's a millionaire. So what? You think millionaires don't put shotguns in their mouth? You think that gives you the right to be a piece of garbage toward him? You think that means you, you get to dehumanize him and you get to say whatever you want about him? The guy's under more stress and more scrutiny than anybody you know by a, a, a thousandfold. But because he's a rich guy, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't have any problems? Think about how much it sucks when you get teamed up on and you get seven people commenting on something you tweet. It feels horrible. Imagine having millions of people saying these things about you, talking about you, scrutinizing you. Everything you say, everything you do. Don't do that. I'm not saying you can never disagree with the guy, but just beating up on him, calling him names because you just can't accept a decision he made. Stop it. He didn't do anything wrong. Move on. I'm sorry, but there's a line. There's a line. You want to criticize somebody for the way that they play, decisions they make, whatever. But this is, this is just getting to be over the line. We're getting to the point of dehumanizing a person. It's completely unacceptable, and Jimmy's absolutely right. This is just going too far. He didn't make the right decision. Okay, what are you gonna do about it? I'm gonna go on with my life. Good idea, me too. That's it, that's the whole discussion. Months later, we're talking about how big of a jerk he is, how big of an idiot he is, how damaging he is, how dangerous he is, literally saying he's a dangerous person. You know what's dangerous is the words that are coming out of your mouth. That's dangerous. Dehumanizing entire groups of people, that is and always has been historically very dangerous. You got to knock it off. We all got to knock that off. That's becoming way too common right now. Everybody needs to back off. We can have fun. We can talk about football. We can do whatever we got to do. And I'll kick and scream and rant and rave about Justin Fields. Blah, 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 blah. But if Justin Fields got, you know hit by a car and was in the hospital. Do you think I'd have any ill will toward him? No, because it's just a stupid game, man. We're just talking about a football game. I want nothing but the best for Justin Fields, man. I don't I don't have any ill will towards him. We're just talking football, man. It's just fan stuff. It's all fake. All of this is fake. That's the problem. We're crossing into reality. We're talking about him as a as a as a no, whatever. Whatever. I'm not restarting this podcast. <sighs> there is one final thing, and I am I'm going to play it. And then I think we'll take a break and we'll do Patreon questions, but this is Chris Carter, and, and this is sort of confirming a different part that I had talked about in, in terms of why this shouldn't happen and how wrong this is to give this much power to people that don't deserve it. This is Chris Carter talking about his experience with something similar.
0: Well, this to me, this hits right at home, um, because I'll take you back 2013. At that time, for those who don't know, I was second in catches in NFL history, second in touchdowns, 1,100 catches, 130 touchdowns. And I come up for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And at at that point, I never really thought that much about it, how much these voters held my future in their hands. Mm. And they decided that those numbers were not good enough for me to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And then the thing that really got me upset was because of my childish reaction and being upset about it, they began to spread that blasphemy in the room that for the next five years, I didn't even get close. So I didn't even go on the field ever again. But that first time getting in, that's when I was the closest to getting in. And then they started talking amongst each other. So I understand what Aaron is going through right now. And players are judged by their numbers, by their wins, and by the accolades that they get. And for me, at that time in 2013, I think that I had about 14 years of sobriety. I had turned my life around. I had been the Walter Payton man of the year. I had helped so many other players try to have a productive career. And for these people to somehow come up with ideas that, oh, he'll get in next year, that was the worst excuse ever. So I feel for Aaron, and people should be able to remove their biases before they vote on these things because I'm going to tell you something. I've been in a lot of buildings. There's jerks in every building. And I can give you a list of journalists that are jerks. I've been doing this a minute. There's a bunch of them that are jerks. And he was wrong about Aaron Rodgers. There are a lot of jerks in the NFL. He's not the biggest one.
1: So again, just kind of confirming what I was talking about, th- this process is wrong for a lot of reasons. Not only is it just the most, it's, it's not the most efficient way to do this. It's not the most accurate way to go about judging the MVP or Hall of Fame or whatever it is we happen to be talking about. But it's wrong for a lot of other reasons. And, and that elitism that I was talking about bled through in that story. They made a decision for whatever reason that Chris Carter wasn't good enough to get in. Chris Carter got angry and what did they do? They colluded and said, you think you're going to talk to us that way? We'll show you. And they essentially punished him for talking the way that he talked and reacting the way he reacted because he's, I don't know, a jerk. And so they colluded and they kept him out. What right do they have? Again, I wish that we could just not care about this. I wish we could just not care about the Hall of Fame. But how can you not care about the Hall of Fame if you're a player? To be enshrined for eternity. But why are journalists the gatekeepers? And again, I said, why, why not football players? And I think that would make sense. Not that it's the best way to go about doing it, but if, especially if we're talking about Hall of Fame, do you think there's a single football player that would ever treat another football player that way? The amount of reverence they have for that institution, for the game of football, and for the other players that have sacrificed their lives for the game. Do you think for a second they would ever treat somebody like that? But these elitist reporters would, because they're power hungry, because it's the only power that they have. We are the ultimate arbiters of who the greatest football players are, and you will bow to us. And if you dare talk back to us, you're not getting in. And that's exactly what he said happened. He said the closest he got was the first year. And after that, when he lashed out about the process, he didn't even get close after that. They punished him for it. This is a completely broken and terrible system. It's garbage. And I don't like the sentiment of, Arcus should lose his vote. Journalists should not be voting on this. There's no reason for it. It doesn't make any sense. They have no reason to be the gatekeepers and the ultimate arbiters of this. If you want to talk MVP, let's set up a metric. I don't care what it is. Set up a metric for um, EPA per play. Points added, right? That's just, it's a value metric per play. On a a given play, how how much value do you add? Or I think uh, Pro Football Reference has a, a, a... a metric that just adds it all up so you you know you have like 300 or whatever by the end of the year whoever has the most you added the most value you're the most valuable player and if you want you can do it on a per play basis however you want to break it down and it's not perfect but it's just it's it's a metric that just says based on this you 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 win you're the you you provided the most value congratulations here's an award so a lot of football players man and if you provide the most value to a team that's huge what are reporters voting for what is there to vote about who cares what they think and again, for the Hall of Fame, I think players should be there. And maybe it's former Hall of Famers. If you're gonna have gatekeepers saying who we want in and who we don't, you know, one of the issues I have is that the the value of the Hall of Fame goes down because they let people in that I don't think should be in there. The people that currently are in the Hall of Fame are not gonna want that that name of the Hall of Fame to be tarnished. They don't want the reputation to be tarnished because it devalues what they did. So they'll, they'll gatekeep themselves. And if they're willing to let guys in, if they want Eli Manning in, who am I to say he shouldn't be in there? It's their Hall of Fame. They're the NFL players. They built the league. They're the ones that do it. If they want to bring down the value by letting a guy like Eli in or whatever, let him in. At least it's Hall of Famers doing it. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm gonna die on this hill. This doesn't make any sense. It does not make a single bit of sense. But again, it's not just Packer fans. It's. It's. I saw several football players. This story from Chris Carter again just kind of verified what I said. So I wanted to to play that. But um, I am. I am pretty upset about this whole thing. And and for all the reasons that I laid out, I think it's a terrible system. I, I'm. I'm really upset at people like Arkish for the way that they are and the way that they act. I think they've been given way too much power, and I think that needs to be. I I think they need to be humbled, and I think they need to be brought to the place that all of us are. If you want to thrive in what you do, you have to compete. You're not going to be handed anything. You're not entitled to any of this stuff. First of all, you're not going to be voting on anything. Second of all, you're not just going to be entitled to a press pass. You have to earn that. So many of these guys barge in there and just have these attitudes like uh, Domofsky challenging Jimmy Graham. I'll never get over that. So I guess you'll be taking a fine then. Again, it's the exact same sentiment. The sentiment is what? How dare you not do what I say? I tell you what to do. When Jimmy Graham said he didn't want to talk, which is a known thing. You probably shouldn't even just, if the guy doesn't want to do interviews, don't go interview. But he decided you will talk to me. So he went straight for Jimmy Graham, asked him a question. Jimmy politely turned him down, said no, thank you. And he said, oh, I guess you'll be taking a fine then. I'm sorry, that's garbage. That's pure trash. He shouldn't have press access. I don't care what entity he works for. You're not allowed in the locker rooms. You're not doing these press conferences. Anyways, why don't we take a break? And that'll be the officially I'm done. We're not talking about this anymore. Um, Again, I went longer than I wanted to, but we got to end it. Why don't we take a break? Once again, if you're planning on donating, um, if you could head over to Drew's GoFundMe. If you go to my Twitter, it's pinned to the top. I'll try to keep forgetting to put this in different places, but I see several people have donated in the last couple of days. Um, There was an anonymous donation of $25. Dennis, uh, I know Dennis, he gave $50. And then Nick Story gave $100 just six hours ago. So thank you guys very much for your support, helping Drew to get his, his service dog it is a seizure service dog because he has epilepsy. Um, Drew is a he's a Packer fan. He's on Packers Twitter. He's been a supporter of this podcast for a long time. Um, we've seen some great things of the Packers fan base kind of rallying around each other. And you guys have just done so much for me, and I know you're very willing to give to me. So um, if you've done that or if you're planning on, hey, I got a little extra money at the end of the year, I think I'm going to give it to uh, Pack Daddy. I'm just asking that you divert that over to Drew because his needs are greater than mine right now. That is unless the uh, person that won the Powerball in Green Bay is a listener to this show, in which case I will happily take any donation of any size that you would like (laughs) to impart to me. But uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. Some guys have been back at practice. I don't exactly know what it means. I I still get the hunch that they're not going to be playing, but they seem to be, you know, there's pictures of them doing drills and whatnot. David Bakhtiari, back at practice, rocking it, killing it. Uh, Let's see. I want to make sure I got the dates right here. Which one's first? What is today, the 6th? None of these are from today? No, I guess I'll just go to the injury report then. Um, David Bakhtiari did not practice today. That was, again, from the other day. Um, Devondre Campbell limited. Dominique Daphne is full participant, which is great. Um, he's been having some issues. I think this is his first full in quite a while. Aaron Jones still limited uh with his knee issue. Kingsley Kiki still not practicing. Um Aaron Rodgers, he actually did practice today. It was limited, but it was good to see him out there. Um Aaron Jones is on here for a second time for some reason. Mercedes Lewis, I think, had his veteran rest day. For the Lions, the only guy that was not practicing was Jason Kabinda, the fullback. Um, but anyways, Josh Myers is another guy that has been practicing our center. Again, I don't, I don't really know what the status is for him. Um, I don't see him on the injury report at all. So maybe he's going to be a full go. Does that mean he takes over? I think this would be actually a good game because it's basically a practice. If we're thinking maybe Josh Myers, um, is going to be the guy that, I mean, this is a perfect game because you don't want somebody's first game back to be after all these weeks off, right? If David Bakhtiari can go, if if Josh Myers can go, if they're going to come out and be a little bit flat and a little bit, uh, you know, not quite right, this is the game to do it. Granted, we don't want Rogers to get killed, but either way. And I don't really have a segue for this, but um, little mini laughing at the enemy uh, Viking thing here. Don't really, I, again, kind of random, but I got to say it sometime. The 2021 Vikings are the first team in NFL history to employ a quarterback who throws 30-plus touchdown while the team has a turnover differential of plus 8 or better and have a losing record to show for it. I could have swore I saw another one, too. Um, I thought this was the same one, but after reading it, I I thought it was something like having a quarterback with 30-plus touchdowns, a wide receiver with 1,000 yards, something like that. Um, But anyways, interesting for the... uh, for the Vikings. not only, I mean, it's not just like didn't make the playoffs or whatever. I mean, it's a losing record. That's pretty crazy. Anyways, uh, getting into the questions on Patreon. Well, getting to Patreon, first of all. I asked the question, should the Packers play or rest their starters? Because that's been a pretty hotly debated thing. We heard from Matt LaFleur. Apparently, they had done a study that said that it does seem to be a good thing to play your starters at least a little bit, that there is something to coming out flat. I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so hotly debated that I hate even coming out and saying anything because people get so mad at me, no matter what I say. I had somebody actually scold me on Patreon. I was going through my messages. Sorry, I was late on getting back to you guys, but, um, somebody was like, you were dead wrong about what you said. And I was like, I, I literally am riding the fence. I don't even have an answer to that. All I said was there's no right answer, but he heard the one thing that I seem to be supporting and he didn't really like that answer. Um, I I I don't think there is a good answer. I think there's two terrible answers, and uh, Matt Lafleur even said exactly that. He said if you if you play the guys and somebody gets injured, you were an idiot, and if you don't play and then the team doesn't play their best, then you look like an idiot. So I mean it's just there's it's a no win situation. But anyways, I put it to a vote. 46 total votes on Patreon. Of that, um, only three people out of 46 said that they should rest the players and not play them. Only six said they should play them. 37 said play part of the game, which is probably what they're going to do, but there's also a part of me that says that's like the worst possible solution. (laughs) I mean, I get it, because we're trying to split the difference a little bit so you get the best of both worlds. We're protecting them and we're we're getting practice, but it's like, okay, so we're going from three weeks to two and a half weeks, which I can't imagine makes that big of a difference, and we're still risking the players. That's my biggest issue with playing the guys. It's like, well, we don't want them to come out flat. They still have a two-week rest. That's still a long time. Packers are going to play a half a game on the 9th, and they're not going to play again until, let's see, when is the NFC Divisional Round? Is the 22nd, which is a Saturday. So, yeah, it's, what is that, Uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 days? I don't know, man. Again, it's, it's, it's not a hill worth dying on because it's, Matt LaFleur has to pick one of two bad decisions. And and people seem to have made up their mind and they're like, no, there is a good... No, there's not. There's not a good decision. Anyways, going through some of the comments quickly, uh, Jorgen says, I always get nervous when teams treat some games as if they don't matter at all, which is probably stupid, but still, I hope they don't sit all the starters, at least not for the full game. Hopefully we can come out, grab an early lead, and then Love and the backups can close out the game and get us a 14-3 and finish. So that is one of the things that concerns me is just sort of this... You know, football's kind of weird and it's hard to put into words, but there's something very, I don't know, mental, emotional about football. And if you're preaching to your team, you know, we're the best and we're we're going to dominate and we're going to do all these things and this this is who we are and it's an attitude and it's a mentality. And then this week rolls around and it's like, "No, we're going to sit out. I'm scared you might get hurt." Even if it's rational, there's it just does something to you. And so, I mean, if you could guarantee that they were going to be healthy, the best thing you could do is come out and lay 45 points on them. Because you, you, it is true, you want to go into this not just on a high note, but just continuing that mentality that we are not to be messed with. We are the most dominant, dangerous team in the NFL. We want to put on a spectacle. We want the whole world to watch and and watch in fear and awe of what the Green Bay Packers are. And And, and, and to his point, the inverse of that is saying, no, we're not going to play, we're scared. Again, it's rational, but not everything is rational. That's one of the weird things about football. There is some emotional stuff to this. We, we always assume that everything is just constant. If we just do the rational thing, then, then you'll get a rational outcome, but you don't. Now, I've used the, the gym analogy before. There's something about believing you can lift the weight as opposed to believing you can't there there is there is a little bit of extra juice inside of people and when you're super juiced up and when you got music cranked in your ears and you're super fired up you can throw that weight around like it doesn't exist but you know if you if you've got a little bit of a shoulder twinge and you're like i don't know man and you're cold and it's you're feeling you're not going to get the weight up you're not going to get it up and it shouldn't matter i mean it's this is how strong you are you can physically do it we know what your one rep max is blah 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 yeah but there's more to it than that so I get that. I just, the rational part of me is like, that doesn't make sense. Just go play football when it's your time to play football. I don't want to hear about it. You're going to sit because you're not going to get hurt. And then in two weeks, you step up and play because that's what you get paid to do. That's what the rational part of my brain says. But I just don't think that that's reality as much as I feel like it should be. And again, that's not me coming to a conclusion. Again, I, it doesn't matter because they're just, they're bad decisions. You know, we can talk a big game and then Rodgers goes out be, with a busted knee and the season is officially over. And now how smart does that sound? Now the rational is starting to sound pretty good, isn't it? Eric says, I play at least, uh, I say play at least the first half. If it wasn't for the Packers issues coming out of bye weeks, I might say sit the starters. I just worry about them being off for that long. Again, my biggest issue is they get a bye week. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like we're going to play them because they don't play well after a bye week. Well, you're going to play them and you're going to get a bye week then. So now it's a matter of, well, is two weeks significantly worse than one week? And, you know, we're just getting into weird territory. But again, I get it. Goose says, let Adams go get his record, get the starters some reps, keep them loose, then put Love and the backups in and take the training wheels off. Yeah, I think the other thing about it is um, just the preparation part of it. You know, it's not a week off. You know, if, even if you just play a quarter or even a series, which would be kind of silly, but it still requires the team to to practice, to train, to prepare, at least have that part of it down. And then it's like, all right, go execute and then go sit down. Uh, Rogers says, I'm mostly excited to see the potential return of some of the guys like Jair, David Bakhtiari, Zadarius, and Cobb. Keep all the guys uh, healthy, sharp, sit them after a few weeks. Keep all the healthy guys sharp and sit them after a few weeks. Series, I got it. Never mind. I was way off. Drew says, Rogers has only been able to practice once per week because of the toe, so let's get as much rest as possible. And rest Rogers. I also like to rest Clark because he doesn't need to play as an interior defensive lineman. That was Drew, by the way, who we're trying to help out. Mike says we need to sit Rogers so he can rust his toe. Andrew says play him for a quarter, keep the rust off. Which again, I think, is that whole sentiment. It's just, it's just a sort of a it's not an intense game. It's just enough to knock a little bit of rust off or keep rust from from growing, which again is a concept that I don't know exists, but I get it. Wayne says first half. Chris says, I want to see as much time for Jordan Love as possible, hopefully at least the second half. So there you go. Getting into the questions now uh, for the Q&A section. If you want to get involved in this, again, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. You can get in on the lowest tier, which is just a dollar a month, and that's where you can get involved in the Q&As and the polls and all that kind of stuff goose says is it possible that Darius Bakhtiari, and Alexander have been mostly ready to go for a while and the Packers just played it extra conservative because we kept winning and had a good show at a uh, shot at the number one seed without them he has a follow-up but let's stop there um he called that a conspiracy and I tend to think that that's kind of what we're dealing I I just don't think that there's any way I mean it, there's there really is almost no way um number one they just they really haven't even been practicing. You know, I mean, the fact that they can't even practice, unless that's part of the conspiracy is they're just pretending they're not healthy enough to practice, but um, no. Uh, you got David Bakhtiari going back to, to get surgery again, which, again, just shows that there's, there's problems here and they're just not getting to where they need to be. Um, but beyond that, we absolutely, I mean, now it doesn't matter, but we needed to win, and none of those games, I mean, Minnesota was not a gimme. The fact that we had no intention of playing these guys uh, for that Minnesota game, which could have easily—I mean, Dallas was favored. If we lose that game and Dallas wins, we're suddenly in big trouble here. So no. Um, is follow-up in less conspiracy theory land. Who in the playoffs do you think we match up the best and worst against? I don't know, man. That's so ha- so hard to say. Um, we've had a good run against LA, for whatever reason, and and it it kind of leads me to believe that it is somewhat of a matchup thing. The one thing I will say. And this is just sort of a general thing. This is more of a, a Coach Hawny, Chalk talky kind of a question. But I feel like historically, as well as maybe even right now, the Packers seem to do better against more finesse teams. You know, in the past, it was always teams with good offenses and we can air it out and we'll beat, you know, our offense will trump your offense. But it was teams with tough defenses we struggle against. But now I would even go so far as to say more finesse type teams compared to more, you know, trenches type team. Teams like Tampa Bay that win up front. That can control the line of scrimmage, that can erase our run game, that can put pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Teams that can give it back to us in the run game and just consistently and methodically move down the field. Those are the ones like Tampa Bay that make me nervous, even like Dallas, although the, the defensive front in Dallas is not that way at all. But I, I think the reason we did so well against teams like Arizona is because they're built to, to fly around the football field, they're built to, to stop the modern offenses, including, I mean, like modern college offenses, basically. And so when we employ A.J. Dillon and say we're just going to smash him up the middle, and they've got you know 215-pound linebackers that are basically cornerbacks playing in the middle of the field, I might have exaggerated a bit, but not by much. I think we, we have this sort of grit and, and violence to us now that, that can kind of handle that stuff. And to be honest, Dallas might not be the worst component because Mike McCarthy's turned Dallas into the old-school Packers. It's a team with a quarterback and a, a pile of wide receivers. Um, the the run game has completely imploded because it's, you know, Mike McCarthy, Ezekiel Elliott's having his worst year of, of his entire career. Again, it's just a classic Mike McCarthy thing. And so you you have this very dangerous, air it out kind of a team, but it's a pretty weak and flimsy defense. And I just think as much as I don't want to play them, and they do make me nervous for various reasons, I think the Packers can handle that. So I think LA, Arizona, Dallas, those kinds of teams I like. San Francisco, although I don't think they're very good. Uh, they make me nervous because, you know, they have a, a very complex offense. We've seen how difficult that can be to stop. Uh, scheming guys open to attack our weak links. They got the pass rushers, you know, stuff like that, that that can be real dangerous. So, again, I, you can make a case for and against everybody. I just know we've beat L.A., so they they I kind of like that. Tampa Bay just makes me nervous because it's Tom Brady, and it's a team that's beaten us before. And I know it's not the same team, but they just, they just make me nervous. Either way, I mean, it's the playoffs, man. You're going up against the best of the best, and you're going to have to dig deep. You're going to have to, you know, you can't have a bad day. You just can't in the playoffs. Gary says, I love the first question. Going one further, it seems we don't get enough. uh, We won't get everyone back we want. So out of Zadarius, Bakhtiari, Alexander, Turner, and Myers, which two of the five are more important to the success of the Packers in the playoffs? So I've kind of been asked this a couple times. In fact, somebody else asked this a little bit later. Um, He did say two, though, so that makes it interesting. It is a tough question. I really want Zadarius back. I think we're doing a good job, but pressure is so unbelievably important. And every time our pressure game is on point, it's just something incredible. And and Rashawn is doing a great job. Preston is up and down, but he's more or less been real good. But if we can have a steady rotation. Because remember, Rashawn and Preston are in there not every time. And you got Garvin going in there. You got Galea going in there. You got all these guys. But if you have Zadarius in there, plus on top of the extra dynamic he brings, moving him into the middle, and we've got Rashawn going into the middle, and you can have Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn and Kenny on the field at the exact same time, the amount of pressure that brings, I just think that really ramps up what we're going to be able to do, especially with our offense playing at such a high level. Um, and after that, it would probably be Jair. I, I and the reason I say that is just because, you know, Bakhti- Bakhtiari is not a bad answer. I still, for some reason, Bakhtiari might be a better answer. The, the offensive line has just done such a good job against even top competition. But so of the corners, I just love the idea of with Zedarius bringing extra pressure, and improving the the defensive back group to that degree. Would make the defense just unstoppable, and that would be a beautiful thing for an offense that's already acting unstoppable. I will say, though, you can substitute out Alexander for Bakhtiari, which sounds crazy, but again, I mean, the the way that Razul Douglas is playing, and even Stokes, you know, both, I mean, these are like, in the second half of the year, like top 15 corners right now, both of them. Maybe with Bakhtiari back, we can do a little bit better job running the ball and a better job pass blocking, especially against some of the top-tier guys we're going to see in the playoffs, but... um yeah, I, I, I don't know. Zadarius for sure, and then either Bakhtiari or Alexander. It might depend on the matchup. Bakhtiari probably does make the most sense because Yash has done a great job, but I mean, there's there's just no question that Bakhtiari is a big upgrade. Drew says, what qualifies as a successful week 18? I need something to root for. Um, Well, health. I don't know that that's something you can root for. I guess after every play, when everybody stands up off the field, you can cheer. It, it kind of depends. If they're going to play everybody for four quarters, then a successful Week 18 is putting the Lions away. If you're going to do it, bury them. If they don't play a full game, then I think we're, we're, we're rooting for hell. There's not a lot else to root for other than in the second half, hoping Jordan Love can put on a show, whether it be because he's going to take over at some point or because we're going to end up trading him at some point, or just because he's going to be the backup for Aaron Rodgers, who eventually at some point over the next several years is going to have an injury. And it'd be nice to have a guy come in and win football game. But that's that, I guess, is my thought. Uh, Andy Monday would like to know: Has the Godwin injury changed the Bucks' performance at all? So I looked into it a little bit. Um, it's hard to tell. I mean, obviously it has. If you go back on a week-to-week basis and look at this, um, the uh, the team, just like every other team, but maybe more so with the you know, with the Packers, it's Devontae. Devontae is the guy, and then there's kind of a pile of guys that can kind of come and go, and you know. So one week it's this guy, one week it's the next guy. But it's not just Godwin. It's it's If you think about it, if you've got, let's say, five guys that on any given week could, could have a great day as a receiver, Godwin's done. Antonio Brown is done. What does that leave you with? If you look at just for the season, Antonio Brown is their number one receiver. After that is Rob Gronkowski, who's been very up and down. Then you've got uh, Chris Godwin. And so, I mean, you know, And and Godwin is the last one at at like an 80. So two of the top three. And again, Rob Gronkowski has kind of been fluctuating a little bit. Um, He goes from being elite to being kind of terrible. If you look at his grades, 90, 90, 56, 52, 78, 92, 64, 65, 47, 46, 86, right? He's either like elite or trash. I mean, the guy's 32 years old. He's getting up in age. Occasionally, they're they're kind of in sync, but... uh He's got more bad days than good, so obviously on a playoff run when you have to win several times, the idea that he's going to have you know, three really good games in a row, pretty unlikely. Not impossible, but he hasn't done it once this year. And again, with with Godwin out, now you're looking at Le'Veon Bell, um, who's a new addition. He, uh, he had a really good week against the Jets. It was his only good week um, of the season, which is the only reason he's graded as, as high as he is. Um, Cyril Grayson has played four games this year against the Jets. Again, his only good year. Now, maybe the reason that these guys are, were playing well is because those other guys went out and now you got somebody else stepping up and they're just having a great time. Or maybe it's because it was the Jets. Point is without Brown and Godwin, your number one wide receiver in terms of, um, their grade is Cyril Grayson. After that, you have Mike Evans, who is your actual number one wide receiver, He's got a 70 overall receiving grade, which is fine. It's nothing spectacular. So this group of, of, of kind of powerhouse football players has been strongly diminished. Has it changed their performance? Not yet. No, it hasn't. Not that I can see anyways, because other guys have stepped up. But again, the point is, if you've got five guys and on average two of them step up, and then you take two or three of those guys away, the odds that you just don't really have anybody step up in a game goes up a lot. Similar question um, from Andy about how does the Gallup injury change how Dallas plays. I don't know that it changes how they play. They're kind of in a similar situation, except it's a little bit less volatile. With, with Tampa Bay, y- you look at the remaining players and you go, they're going to have days where there's just nobody stepping up. Dallas, I don't know, it could be the same, but uh, they just have a pretty big stash of guys. I mean, Tony Pollard is a fantastic football player. Um, Ezekiel Elliott is, is catches a ton of passes out of the backfield. He doesn't have a super high grade, but that's a big part of what they do. You got Amari Cooper, you got CeeDee Lamb, you got tight ends, Dart, uh, Dalton Schultz, and, um, I don't know who else. I mean, they got other tight ends, Dalton's the main one. It obviously is going to change things and it's going to make it harder for them. Um, but it, it, can they still operate in their, their main way in that same Mike McCarthy way of distributing the ball to really good wide receivers? Yeah, they got CeeDee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott catching passes. They'll be fine. Not fine enough to win a Super Bowl, but you know, they they can still operate and run their offense. Caleb says, I hear a lot of talk about the Packers putting the tag on Devontae and wanting to keep Rodgers. How can they do all this and still sign Alexander? Um, I would probably change the question from Alexander. I mean, it's I don't know that he's the the main thing, because uh, I think we're going to actually lower the cap a little bit with Jair. But the, the, the bottom line is the answer to the question is I don't think they can. There was a report about tagging Devontae. I kind of talked about it a few days ago. Um, I think it was fake. I think the Packers probably put that out, um, hoping to kind of scare him into doing something or to, to kind of threaten him a little bit with, hey, you better do this or else we're just going to tag you. But I don't think that that was ever real or ever really going to happen. Um, if we tag Devontae, it's because Rodgers left. And, and that's the only scenario I can see that. Rodgers is gone. Devontae doesn't want to be here, so we tag him. Because now you can't leave, which is not a great scenario. Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be that he doesn't want to be here. It's just that we couldn't come to, to terms. But I don't think we can pay Rodgers and, and tag Devante And as you said, sign Alexander and, and the 50 other people that, that need to get paid. Um, there's no way. They're going to have to come to a long-term extension. Or or not extension, but another contract. And I think they will. It's going to be tight, but I think they'll do it. But no, they're not, they they can't tag him. Edwards says, why wouldn't our defensive coordinator want to start the game with pressure blitz packages and not stop until the back end starts to break down? Play press coverage with safety as a hawk. Should try it this weekend and evaluate for the playoffs. Would also give opposing offensive coordinators pause when formulating their playoff attack plan. So I actually really like this. I can't speak to the specific um, the specific plan. I will say, uh, Edward and everybody else, make sure you check into our next uh, Chalk War because we are planning on doing that live and you'll have the ability to uh, kind of reach out and offer suggestions or even, even if it's just a question and we can kind of talk about that, maybe without even getting into it, just be like, hey, if he did this, what would you do or whatever? But I love what you're saying because I think it's a great point that the Detroit Lions game could also be used for evaluation, and um, just trying stuff. And I'm not saying necessarily pull out all the trick plays and see if you can execute it because you don't want to show everybody what you're doing, but you can do that kind of stuff. You can try to dial up pressure, see if you can get it done, see what the, the reaction is, see what they do so we can see what we can do. And also, like you said, put some stuff on film. If nothing else, it's going to throw them off because what are you game planning for? Is this is this what the Packers are doing or are they just doing stupid stuff to try to throw us off? But again, you're right, let's try something. Even if nothing else, it's it's an onside kick. It's going for two-point conversions. Trying a different kickoff return or punt return or whatever it is. Let's do that kind of stuff. You want to bring in a, a sixth offensive lineman. You want to throw to Elton Jenkins, who I know he can't play, but he's been begging for that. But you get what I'm saying. Throw to an offensive lineman. Whatever, man. I do like that idea. Finally, Zach says, I saw a post in my news feed the other day about a scenario that if the Jaguars somehow beat the Colts this weekend that the Chargers and Raiders could both make the playoffs. If it ends in a tie, how do you think those teams should handle that game? So yeah, if the uh, if the Colts win, they're in. If they lose, the Chargers and Raiders need to win to get in. If one of the teams uh, wins, in other words, it's not a tie, then it comes down to the Colts, Steelers, and Ravens for that next spot based on who wins that. Uh, it goes on from there, but basically every team that uh, that needs to get in needs to win, and that's how they need to handle it. There's, there's no scenario where teams are trying for a tie or any of that kind of stuff. Um, you need to win to get in. So that's what we're going to see this weekend is, is teams battling to get those last spots. But anyways, I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.